0: All right, good morning. Everybody awake now? (laughs) All right, let's go to the Lord and word of prayer. Uh, Brother David Box, will you lead us in prayer, please? Yeah, pray for us. (laughs) Amen. All right, Matthew chapter 10. Matthew chapter ten. If y'all notice, uh we have a we have a visitor this morning, brother Brother Rule. Yes. Rule Soprapania. Yeah. Is that right? Okay. <laughs> 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 I almost let Chris do it. Um brother ruled is going to be he's a missionary to the Philippines and um, S- Southeast Asia. Okay. He's going to uh sing for us today <laughs> and and uh give us a little summary on his work. So y'all pray for him as he prepares for that. Matthew chapter 10. Let's read a few verses and then get right into Wherever we end up going. Matthew chapter 10. Verse 2. Now the names of the 12 apostles are these. The first, Simon, who is called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother. Now. As many weeks as we've been doing this, if you can't tell me who Andrew's brother is and who John's brother is, you need a good whooping, okay? We've read this over and over. We've got several brothers here. James and John, Peter and Andrew, Philip and Bartholomew, Thomas and Matthew the Publican, James the son of Alphaeus, and Levius whose surname was Thaddeus, Simon the Canaanite, and Judas Iscariot, of course, who also... Betrayed him. Now, who remembers what we talked about last time? What's that? Wow moments in the life of Peter. So we're talking about these apostles. We're talking about Peter. If you notice again, I'll point it out, maybe every time, I don't know, verse 2, where it says the first, Simon. That word there is not the first in a list. Don't forget that. It's the chief. So how do we know Simon was the leader of the twelve? The Bible says so. So we're talking about Peter. Peter was from a small town called what? Anybody except Miss Angie? Bethsaida, which is in the region of Galilee. Him and his brother Andrew, we've already learned, moved to a town called Capernaum, they had a fishing business with two other people. Who were they? Look at what you've look. Look at this. Look at what you've already learned. Maybe you already knew it. James and John. So these people knew each other. Peter, we've looked at, and we're looking at we're looking at wow moments. Is what I what I called it. Um, Wow moments in the in the life of Peter. Uh, look at Luke chapter 5. I, I want to reread this one. I'm not going to reread the other ones. It's, it's short, but it's I think it's crucial in the life of Peter. <clears throat> Luke chapter 5. You remember we talked about this one last time? They had been out all night fishing. They had caught nothing. They come back. Jesus says, Cast your nets out again. Peter said. We've been here all night, not caught anything, but at thy word, we'll do it. And, of course, they caught a drought drought of fishes. And then in verse 8, when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he was astonished, and all that were with him at the drought of the fishes which they had taken. And so was also James and John, the sons of Zebedee, which were partners with Simon. And Jesus said unto Simon, Fear not, from henceforth thou shalt catch men. Anybody remember why we said we think this might have been so impactful in the life of Peter? Because he was probably a really good fisherman. And he had done all of his physical hands could do. And he had come up empty. And Jesus, with one word basically met all their needs and more and it just floored Peter and he realized some of some, some somewhat of who Jesus might be and it revealed to him who he was and uh, Jesus said from henceforth you're going to catch me in. so after this we talked about him walking on the water and then we talked about Jesus calming the storm. And then we talked about the uh, the account where Jesus cast the demons into the swine and they run down the hill. So now I want to look at another couple of wow moments in the life of Peter and we'll move on. Matthew chapter 14. This one and the next one, when you put them together, It astonishes me. Matthew chapter 14. We'll start reading at verse 13. When Jesus heard it, he departed thence by a ship into a desert place apart. And when the people had heard thereof, they followed him on foot out of the cities. And Jesus went forth and saw a great multitude and was moved with compassion toward them. And he healed their sick. And when it was evening, his disciples came to him, saying, This is a desert place, and the time is now past. Send the multitude away, that they may go into the villages and buy themselves victuals. But Jesus said unto them, They need not depart. Give ye them to eat. And they say unto him, now this account's in another gospel or two, and you can get a little more detail by going to another one, but I want to read this one. But Jesus said unto them, They need not depart. Give ye them to eat. And they say unto him, We have here but five loaves and two fishes. And he said, Bring them hither to me. And he commanded the multitude to sit down on the grass. And took the five loaves and the two fishes. And looking up to heaven, he blessed and brake and gave the loaves to his disciples, and the disciples to the multitude. And they did all eat and were filled, and they took up of the fragments that remained twelve baskets full. And they that had eaten were about five thousand men, besides women and children. Now, I know everybody in here is familiar with this story, but can you imagine this scene that the disciples get to see here? Now, some of these moments I'm pointing out in the life of Peter are not just wow moments for Peter, they're wow moments for a lot of the other ones too. And Peter may not be mentioned, but you can probably bet that he's here. Jesus took him everywhere. It's a multitude. It's 5,000 men. Now, it's not 5,000 people, and I know I know who I'm talking to. Y'all know this. But it's, it's often called the feeding of the 5,000, but it's not. <laughs> it's 5,000 men. How many was it? We don't know. But you can do some calculations if every man was married, which he's not going to be. And if every family had one child, you're already at 15,000. A lot of them had much, many more children than that. Some of them may not have been married. So we're talking about thousands and thousands of people that he fed here. Keep that in mind. Thousands and thousands of people he fed with five loaves and two fishes. Now the multitude is there, and Jesus turns to his disciples, and one in particular, and says, "Y'all feed 'em. What would you have done? <laughs> I'd have done exactly what they did. I said." We ain't even got food for ourselves. How do you expect us to feed 20,000 people? With five loaves and two fishes. Keep that in mind. Five loaves and two fishes. Now, you can go listen to sermons and you can hear sermons taught about what that means. What five, Why five? Why two? Why Why'd they take up 12 baskets? I don't know about that. I don't know. I'm sure it has some meaning, but I don't know what it is. There's speculation about different things, but that's not the important thing. Don't get so caught up on stuff like that. He just fed 20,000 people with a couple of loaves of bread and some sardines. That's that's what it was. And so Peter sees this. Now... How many times did he do this? We hear about the feeding of the 5,000 all the time. But did you know he did this again? Look in Matthew chapter 15. Verse 32. Then Jesus called his disciples unto him and said, I have compassion on the multitude because they continue with me now three days and have nothing to eat. And I will not send them away fasting lest they faint in the way. And his disciples say unto him, I cannot believe this. This is not the same account. I don't know if you knew that or not. A lot of people don't understand. He fed 20,000 people at least twice. Not once. So he sees the multitude, has compassion on him, said, I'm not going to send them away without eating. And I've lost my place. (laughs) 33. And his disciples saying to him, when should we have so much bread in the wilderness as to fill so great a multitude? Warren, what in the world? Look at verse 34. And Jesus saith unto them, How many loaves have ye? (laughs) And they said, Seven. (laughs) And a few little fishes. Do you understand why I am so perplexed at this? You're looking at me like you don't care, and that's fine. I don't understand this. He just fed. 20,000 people with how many loaves? And how many fishes? And it it can't be that much longer. Now we have a few less, maybe. We don't even know that. A few less men, 4,000. You'll find that out here in just a minute. Got ahead of myself. Four thousand people. Jesus says, feed them. And his disciple says, all we have is seven loaves and a few fishes. They had five the first time. And look what Jesus did with that. What in the world? How can they, Miss Peggy, I don't understand it. I don't get it. Now she's looking at me like she does. That's good. I don't, I don't understand this. Turn that night, we're in a service. We depend on our faces before God. We (coughs) pledge with Him to meet with us, and God shows up and does a tremendous work. He a short time laborer, and what we do is what we had just. Uh, I, I don't understand it. I don't understand why we are that way. And of course, we're going to tie this to ourselves, which she already did. But. There you go. They were. With the multitude before. I just want to make sure we understand this. There was there was probably more people the first time than there was here. The first time they had five loaves and two fishes. This time they have seven loaves (coughs) and a few fishes. Well, how many is a few? It's at least three probably, if it's the same type of terminology we use. Two is a couple. A few could be two, but it's probably three or more. So odds are they had less people and more food and the, th- the disciples throw their hands up and say, I don't know what we're going to do. That's just like us. Now, I didn't think about it like that, but I think about it like, and, and I've heard different people testify this. They have a fi- specifically a financial need. A big financial need. And God meets that need. And they find themselves, when they get the $120 electric bill in the mail and they can't pay it, that they fret and they worry. And God just met a much bigger need. Why are we like that? Yeah. And we feed the flesh. Feed the flesh, feed the flesh, yeah, I mean, what was Warren talking about this morning? doing something all the time, <laughs> mhm. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, and and you know and and I don't I don't think Warren said this, but you know the danger of being so busy, the the important things is what's going to get pushed out of your life. The non-important things are the things you're going to keep doing. If Warren's busy all the time, what's going to get pushed out of his life? Family time, but if not that, Bible study, reading the Bible, praying, that's the kind of stuff that's going to get pushed out every time. Every time. So we have to be careful. But why am I bringing this up? But Sure. Yep. And sometimes um we're busy doing very noble things. Things we say are for God. And maybe they are. Yeah. Yeah. Things we say are for God. Maybe they are. Maybe they're not. So, the main reason I'm bringing this up, remember at the beginning, we talked about these disciples, and we said, why can we relate to them so much? It's stuff like this right here. (laughs) That's why I can relate to them. You know, it would have been easier wouldn't have been better for us, but it'd been easier if God didn't put this kind of stuff in the Bible. It wouldn't have been better for us. This help, This is supposed to help us, but it'd been easier. Why show all their faults and their failures? So, all right. He fed 5,000. He fed 4,000. And then look at John chapter 11. John chapter 11, you want to talk about a wow moment, <laughs> but it's probably not the biggest one for Peter, but this is a pretty big one, I wish I could have found it, I wish there would have been an account in Matthew, we could have just stayed there, but this is the only place that this is mentioned, John chapter 11, everybody knows what it is, Lazarus is sick. Jesus waits a couple of days before he goes. I'm not going to get off into all why and all that. But he ends up there. Martha comes to him, if you remember. And her and, her and Mary's, um, what's a good word? Disposition always is what I, I find interesting. Martha comes to him, looks him dead in the face, and says, if you had been here, my brother had not died. And Jesus basically said he'll live again. And Martha said, I know he'll live again at the resurrection. Jesus had to clarify, I am the resurrection and the life. And so he goes a little further and then Mary's told and she comes out to meet him. She don't look him in the face. What does she do? She fell at his feet and said the exact same thing that Martha said. If thou hadst been here, My brother had not died. And Jesus said, where is he at? The same words told and said in two different ways produce two different reactions from the Savior. And so he goes to the tomb, and and you know the story. But let's read verse... Let's start in verse 34. And said, where have you laid him? They said unto him, Lord, come and see. This is the number one verse that kids want to memorize if they have to memorize a verse. <laughs> John eleven thirty-five. 35. Jesus wept. Why did Jesus weep? I don't know. There could be a lot of reasons. Could be a lot of reasons. Could be multiple reasons. Don't worry about it. Then said the Jews, Behold how he loved him. And some of them said, Could not this man which opened the eyes of the blind have caused that even this man should not have died? What's the answer to that question? Sure. Yes. He could have made it so that Lazarus didn't even die. He healed Peter's mother-in-law. He's healed. There ain't no telling how many people if you want to get down to it. You can go through the Gospels and you can count them, and it's not even a fraction. At the end of the book, John says he did so much more than I wrote in this book that the heaven and earth could not contain the books if I wrote everything he did. I would not be surprised if every person he came in contact with, he healed. I wouldn't be surprised. You couldn't stay dead around him. (laughs) He was in there in a city, and the widow of Nain—they were bringing her son out. Death met, death met life. What happened? He touched it, the beer—that's what they called it—and there he come. <laughs> so he could have done whatever he wanted to, but this has to happen. If you will—I've said this before—if you will look. This is it. This is the straw that broke the camel's back. The Jews didn't like him. They may have tried to kill him and he slipped away and he slipped through the midst and all that kind of stuff. But this is it. When he does this. The Jews. Now it's not. It's not. That is not a national. That is not a designation of nationality. It's not the Jewish people. It's the Jewish leaders. When it says the Jews. The Jews are going to put him to death. So. Without the raising, Now I understand. He could do anything he wants to. Any way he wants to. But the way that it happened. Without the the death and the resurrection of Lazarus. There would have been no cross. Now he could have done it other ways. Don't get me wrong. But this led to the Jews saying. This is enough. We're going to have him killed. They said it in their minds. They got him killed. And he, res- he was resurrected from the dead. Now, he gave up his life. They didn't take it. I understand all that. But this event leads to that. Jesus said in verse, well, verse 38. Jesus, therefore, again, groaning in himself, coming to the grave, it was a cave and a stone lay upon it. Jesus said, take ye away the stone. Martha, the sister of him that was dead, saith unto him Mary didn't say a word but Martha said Lord by this time he stinketh for he hath been dead four days and there's probably some significance there but I'm not going into it Jesus saith unto her said I not unto thee that if thou wouldest believe thou shouldest see the glory of God then they took away the stone from the place where the dead was laid And Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank thee that thou hast heard me. And I knew that thou hearest me always, but because of the people which stand by, I said it, that they may believe that thou hast sent me. And when he had thus spoken, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. And one of the most amazing verses in the Bible, and he that was dead came forth bound hand and foot with grave clothes, and his face bound about with a napkin. Jesus saith unto them, Loose him and let him go. (coughs) A wow moment. In the life of Peter. Wow. (laughs) There's so much in that scripture. That you can just branch off on. That I I won't go into any of that. But yes. Yeah. Peter just said come forth. Oh my goodness. There wouldn't have been nobody in the graveyard left. Matthew 17. Another wow moment. This one specifically mentions Peter. And we got about two or three more, and we'll be done with this. Matthew 17. Verse 1, after six days, Jesus taketh who? Peter, James, and John, his brother, and bringeth them up into a high mountain apart, and was transfigured before them. And his face did shine as the sun, and his raiment was white as the light. And behold, there appeared unto them Moses and Elias, talking with him. Moses and Elijah, talking with him. Then answered Peter, all right, I got a question. Who asked anything? (laughs) Who asked anything? I don't see a question mark right before that anywhere. We called him the apostle with the foot-shaped mouth. Then answered Peter and said unto Jesus, Lord, it is good for us to be here. I say so. If thou wilt, why couldn't he just stop? (laughs) If thou wilt, let us make here three tabernacles. One for thee, one for Moses, and one for Elias. And what do you think about that request? Well, it shows he has passion. He, oh, <laughs> he's definitely got passion. Even when he's wrong. What do you think about that? Three tabernacles. Three. What's the three? Who are the who they who would they be for? <laughs> you probably know. You're just scared to say. Who would the three tabernacles be for? One would be for jesus that's probably the one and the other one would be for moses and then you'd have one for elijah yeah elijah elias three tabernacles so what do you think about that let's build a tent here moses can hang out under this tent elijah can hang out under this tent and jesus you can have and probably them we will all hang out under this tent well what's wrong with that <laughs> Uh, Yeah, there's probably going to be multiple answers here, but if I heard you right, she's basically saying that he's exalting Moses and Elias kind of on the same plane with the Lord. And that's possible and probable. What else? Why would he want to build tabernacles? What is, what is he even talking about? I guess we need to answer that first possibly Miss Peggy said worship you think about the tabernacle in the wilderness worship So you want to worship Moses and Elijah <sighs> a tabernacle is a tent that's what it is now when you think about the tabernacle in the wilderness that brings to, that brings to mind many things including worship but a tabernacle, simply put, is a tent. When the Bible said that the word became flesh and dwelt among us, that word dwelt is literally tabernacled among us, which is literally Jesus pitched a tent among us. He dwelt among us. He was only going to be here a few, a short while. But a tabernacle is just a tent. So if it wasn't for worship, why would he want to do it? you ever thought about it or have you always just thought it's probably for worship which is fine I think at least in one part now this is this is Jay Pruitt (laughs) I think at least in one part if it's not for worship and it could very well have been or at least have been in part he's trying to hang on to this don't know how long this is going to last but let's keep them here Let's stay in this moment. What's the problem? That was a wow moment in his life. But what's the problem in your life? And you have a wow moment. Yeah. Well, you can't stay there. You can't live there. You don't live on a mountaintop all the time. You can't stay in that place. But what God does for you in those places, that'll stay, that can stay with you if you let it. And I heard, uh, I don't know where it was, but of course you talk about mountaintop and valley and mountaintop and valley. Everybody wants to live on the mountaintop, but I think I said it after maybe Warren did one sometime, but I heard somebody say nothing grows on the mountaintop. All the growth is in the valley. All the growth is in the valley. I, I, maybe for worship. I've always thought that. But I just thought also he, he's trying, I think he's trying to hold on to this, this moment in his life. Now he's going to need the things that he sees very shortly. But this is a wow moment. Okay. Luke 22. Luke 22, look at that 1020, is that right? Luke uh, 22, I'm going to read this pretty quick, now these other wow moments, except for Peter sticking his foot in his mouth, have been positive. positive, positive moments this one's not but it's still a wow moment then took they him this is verse 54 and led him they're talking about Jesus and brought him into the high priest's house and Peter followed afar off and when they had kindled a fire in the midst of the hall and were set down together Peter sat down among them but a certain maid beheld him as he sat by the fire and earnestly looked upon him and said this man was also with him and he denied him saying, Woman, I know him not. And after a little while, another saw him and said, Thou art also of them. And Peter said, Man, I am not. And about the space of one hour after, another confidently affirmed, saying of a truth, this fellow was with him. And if you look in another place, it's going to talk about his his speech. His, His Galilean tongue gave him away. For he is a Galilean. And Peter said, man, I know not what thou sayest. And in another account, he cursed. And people have asked me before, I don't need to get off on this, but where in the Bible does it say you can't cuss? Where does it say in the Bible you can't curse? Well, number one, it's common sense. But number two, what did Peter do to try to further prove that he was not associated with Jesus Christ? One thing he did was he cursed. Enough said Man, I know not what thou sayest. And immediately, while he yet spake, the cock crew. Here's the moment. And only in this account. And the Lord turned and looked upon Peter. I, I'm, I'm, I've am i got chills thinking about it. What do you think that did to Peter? He had just said, I'm going to die with you. I'm going with you till the end. Jesus said, you're going to deny me. Peter said, I'll die first. He said, no. Before the cock crows, you're going to deny me three times. I guarantee he left that place going, there's not a chance in the world that that's going to happen. It happened. And in this account, it says the Lord turned and looked upon Peter. With a piercing look. And Peter remembered. The word of the Lord. How he had said unto him. Before the cock crow. Thou shalt deny me thrice. And Peter felt bad. No. And Peter went out. And wept. Bitterly. This is not a positive moment in his life. But it is still a wow moment. Yes, ma'am. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, there's different things about parents. I remember my mom, she could be stern, and that got the job done, too. But what hurt me more was when she just looked at me. And she didn't have to look at me sideways. She just looked at me. That affected me. And this affected Peter. And I'm not going to get done. We're going to stop right there. Yes, ma'am. Yeah. I heard a really good sermon on that. Following afar off. I will say about that, what I said about another one. This situation in Peter's life where he denied the Lord and the Lord looked at him can only happen to a brave man. Just like him getting out of the boat. The others were nowhere to be found. Except John. But John, we're going to find out when we talk about John, he had a pretty good relationship with a high priest's household. It wasn't a big deal for him. Peter's the only one. Where's everybody else? So while yes, he should not have denied the Lord, we don't need to cast too many stones at him. Because we had done the same thing. And at least he was there. He was close enough for Peter to see Jesus and Jesus to see Peter. Now that's where they were putting him on trial and beating him and slapping him and spitting on him. He saw all this. Firsthand. That was a wild wow moment in the life of Peter. I'm going to talk about two more next time, but we don't have time this morning. All right. Shay Holloway, will you dismiss us?